Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Today, I have a uh, guest that needs no introduction to Longhorn fans. Uh, it is Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, play-by-play voice of the Longhorns, Texas High School Football Hall of Fame, uh, host of uh, a show on the horn up in Austin, 104.9. Uh, but why does he need no introduction? I, I think that I'm going to play a soundbite here for everybody, and I hope they can hear it. The dreams, all the hopes for the national championship come down to this play. Young from the shotgun, back to throw. Gibbs looks under pressure. He's got it again. Gibbs Young has given the ball one point. I tell you what, Craig, uh, as my dad says, uh, every time he hears that, chills go down his spine. I think, <laughs> I think that, uh, well, <laughs> I think that uh, a lot of Longhorn fans feel similarly. Well, here's the, here's the interesting story about what happened after that call, after that game, and back in town and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you've been in the uh, Texas football complex many, many times, and even before the new South End Zone renovation and all that sort of stuff, when you just walked into the regular uh, Moncrief Newhouse uh, uh, area and you had the big lobby for a time, a long time, when you opened the door, when you walked in, that call would be played over a speaker. When you just you were just walking in, if you had an appointment, if you're a uh, visitor, whatever, that call would be played. Well, sitting at the desk on the other side of the glass, but in full audio uh, range of it, was Amy Beagle, who, you know, a long time, uh, she was uh, the, uh, the administrative associate uh, to, uh, to Gene Chizik, to just about all of the defensive coordinators, and a great lady. Amy heard that call so many times, endlessly, day after day after day after day. It apparently became a party routine. And so, <laughs> If there was Longhorn staff party, she could do it. She could hit. I finally heard her do it one time. She hit every cadence, every syllable the way I did it. Told people, I said, she does it better than I did it. I mean, she was she was amazing because she heard it on on loop, so to speak, a replay so often. I'm sure it must have made her crazy, but uh, she's a great lady. And uh, so that's what comes to mind a lot of times when I hear the call. I think about Amy sitting there hearing it over and over. Yeah, um, Craig, you take take us back to that season, really. And I, I, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but just take us back to that season. It was kind of magical uh, from going to the horseshoe and uh, beating Ohio State. Uh, you were there for that. Uh, overcoming an, a, a lead by Oklahoma State that looked uh, uh, pretty intimidating, a, uh, a big win over uh, OU, exercised some demons. And then uh, what happened in the Big 12 championship game where Texas just annihilated uh, Colorado and then uh, set that up for the win uh, against USC in the Rose Bowl? You know, Bobby, I tell people that um, the 2005 season was unbelievable, incredible, magical, all those things. I firmly believe to this day, popular opinion or not, that what happened in 05 would not have been possible or at least might have been drastically altered had it not been for the fourth and 18 run that Vince Young had at Kansas the year before. Texas was on the verge of losing. They would not have gone to the Rose Bowl. They would have been in the Alamo Bowl. 
it, I don't think it would have given him as fair a shake to set the stage for the mono a mono matchup all season long. Is USC winning? Is Texas winning? Because Texas was able to win that game and go on and get into the Rose Bowl and win the Rose Bowl over Michigan with Vince having a landmark game that year. I think it set the stage and set everything in motion in 05, and that included in confidence. Uh, Mac Brown always told the story about how in the summertime, uh, Vince went and wrote on a big dry erase board uh, during the summertime, anybody wants to beat Ohio State, meet me here tonight at 7 o'clock but for extra work, and they all showed up and they all bought in. So all of those things you mentioned, the, the win in the horseshoe, magical uh, moment as well, exercising the demons of beating Oklahoma, I think about two plays in that game, Jamal Charles 80 yards up the middle and big Rod Wright just steaming down the field, you know, at, toward the end of the game. It always always comes to mind as, as putting the exclamation point on that. You mentioned the trailing Oklahoma State. They'd actually gotten used to that. Remember in 04 when they were down 35-7 and came back and they had to come back again up in uh, in uh, Stillwater when they were down 28-9 and, and did that. And then they had the game, you know, after they had beaten teams like Missouri and Texas Tech, who were supposed to be good, and they were good, but Texas handled them. And then – uh, they uh, after that happens, then of course they have the game with AM and they don't play their best game. And Vince doesn't play his best game. A lot of folks said that's what might have cost them the Heisman. They struggled for a time, eventually pulled away and won the game, but they struggled. So all of those things set it up. You mentioned the Big 12 championship where they just flattened Colorado, beat them 70 to three, and they got the extra motivation. I know Vince did about the Heisman uh, vote going the way it did, so that they were clearly ready by the time they got to Southern California for the workouts and they just kept the low profile. You remember what it was like, Bobby, that whole week out there, it was a coronation basically of, of USC and, and, uh, and, you know, they'd won 34 in a row and it kind of made sense for a lot of that, but this group kind of knew all along they had a shot if they played well enough and they had to play as well as they could offensively and uh, given what they were giving up defensively to find a way to win. And yet ironically, they make the big fourth and two stop at that point. Keith Moreland's working the broadcast with me. We look at each other. We just, it, maybe it's just because we were around Vince so long and around that team, they were going to win, even though they still had to go down the field and score once they got the stop. Cause we had said at one point in the third quarter, I think at 24, 23, we took off our headsets during a break and said, got to get a stop. Some one big stop, one big stop. And it'll flip. And, of course, when they were down 12 with six minutes to go, it was like maybe it won't happen. But he took them down the field, and they had to get the one stop. They didn't got it. So, uh, yeah, memories, great memories, clearly, historic memories, things like that. But I, inside, reflect all the way back to 04 and that fourth and 18 run at Kansas to make to set in motion everything for 05. Craig, I've got some more Texas uh, memories I want to share with you in a minute. Uh, but first, I want to talk about your election uh, to the Texas High School Hall of Fame, High School Football Hall of Fame. Congratulations. I, I know it's been a couple of years now, uh, but uh, as someone that worked with you on broadcasts going back 20 plus years now, uh, it's well-deserved. I think I speak uh, not on, only on my behalf, but on the behalf of a lot of people who have worked with you through the years, as well as numerous high school football coaches that have held you in high esteem. Uh, you've always covered high school football in the state. Uh, with the reverence, I think is a good word to put, uh, that uh, it deserves and, and the place that it deserves. And, and so uh, congratulations on that honor. H how did that feel for you? And, and uh, 
you know, what, tell us your thoughts about that, that, that not just, not just the award, but what high school football in the state of Texas means to you. Well, I appreciate it, Bobby. And listen, if you and I are being completely honest with one another for the fans, you and me, what we did together, it's almost 30 years. Almost <laughs> 30. You remember in the early 90s, us going, going to sit at recruits' houses and taping the TV show together. I mean, it's almost 30 years that it started. Um, uh, it, it, it has been a labor of love, and I've been broadcasting and covering high school football, high school sports in Texas for 40 years. This fall, I just, I'm, I'm finishing my 40th year right now here in as we head toward the spring, and this fall will be my 41st year. It's always been incredible. I grew up in North Carolina, but when I came out to Texas at age 18, I saw how different it was here. I saw how special it was here. I saw the community wrap itself around the, the football players, the coaches, the programs. I saw what it meant to the families and to those communities. You know, when people ask me, what do you, uh, you know, where should I go to get a true sense of high school football? Should I go, you know, see Odessa Permian or should I go see Allen or should I go see Katie? And I said, yeah, you could do all of those or South Lake Carroll. You could also do Brownwood. You could also do Salina. Uh, you could also do Stratford way up in the panhandle or, or uh, uh, you know, Port Isabel down in the Rio Grande Valley. I mean, it's it means what it means everywhere. And and so uh, that that means an awful lot in in terms of the hall, you know, this, it, you know, Bobby, when I went in with that class in 2016, it was like the old Sesame street thing. One of these things is not like the other because I'm going in with Vince young and I'm going in with Kevin Smith and going in with Bob Ledbetter, the legendary South Lake Carroll coach. I, I I'm, you know, going in with all these great coaches and players. I'm like, and me in this deal. So it's been wonderful. That was, it was very uh, nice of them I, the the whatever impact folks have have made and and, and I think in the uh, induction they said what I did as a broadcaster revolutionized the way high school football is seen and heard on radio and television and I think it was a collective effort John Heidke at at uh, uh, then uh, Fox Sports Southwest was he had the vision he had the dream of all the state championships being contested at the same site and I just I was also out there preaching that gospel as well. And, and we thought it could be now, we didn't have a vision of what would happen with Jerry World and AT&T Stadium, but that was the vehicle that made it all possible. And now it's, you know, it's a statement of life. It's what we're used to, to seeing that. And it's a wonderful thing. So it means a great deal to me, clearly. Uh, I've since uh, been asked to serve just recently on the board uh, for the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame uh, because they wanted a little bit different perspective just other than just retired coaches and players as well. And we had some really lively discussions. And there, there are a lot of very deserving ex-players and coaches who still deserve to go in. And I think their time is going to be coming here in the near future. That's awesome. That That's great to hear. I, I feel like um, I feel like when you mentioned John Heike, Jeff Watts did the Texas High yep. School Extra back in the day as well. Uh, but I remember John uh, in, in, you know, he he uh he's a, a great guy but he was the one that always had that vision of, of bringing everybody together in one venue for a state championship advocated advocated for it for such a long time the uil uh ended up going with charles bright up as its new head and i think those two got together and made that a reality and i, I do think that that efforts from you 
uh, along the way from a, I don't want to say political because it wasn't so much political as it was just, this would be awesome for the state of Texas. And it would put football maybe in the, in the pleasant, uh, in the, in the, I guess it would place football in a marquee venue in a marquee time where everybody tuned in for all of it. You know what yeah. I mean? As opposed yeah. to just piecemeal everywhere. I, I totally agree with it. And, and here's the other thing, Bobby. There's, there was one other major piece of this that had to work in order for all that to work. And that was the Texas High School Coaches Association. The coaches were the ones who, for many years, were resistant to a single site because they felt they wouldn't have control of the elements they needed to give themselves the best chance to win. And I, I got it. And I also thought that there was some, some merit, some merit, to uh, to some of these smaller cities that got a chance to host a state championship. I went in 1986 to see Burkeville and Monday playing a 1A state championship in Mahia on a chilly Friday night in December. And I remember what the town, how excited they were. I remember 1985, Goldthwaite and Runge playing in Georgetown. And when the legendary Gordon Wood walked into the press box, there was a small press box, guys were falling over themselves literally, to get him a chair to sit down. So it meant a lot in those smaller communities, understood that. But by getting it all under one roof, it gave the maximum amount of people an opportunity to witness these games. That's why you have 260,000 people come to the state championships in Arlington every year, because it maximizes the opportunity to say nothing of what it means to coach in that building and play for a state title in that building. Craig, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you this one. I, I I messed up a little bit here, but I want to play you this one. I'm gonna transition, and I want you to hear this one. Okay. another great and, Greg. <laughs> and with that Greg. Bobby Burton Bobby uh, Burton instantly makes more enemies of faithful Texas Aggie support <laughs> yeah. no, no come on I feel like I feel like you um you know here, here's the reality of it right Craig is that you're there to do your job people don't realize this I mean a lot of it is we, we both are in this similar situation right in that you know you're there to, to relay what's in fact going on that means when Texas wins, you're there for the the way to go, Texas, and you're there for that. When Texas loses to Kansas, you're there for oh boy, here we go. It's the same for recruiting for for me, right? It's you know, oh wait, they they did good here. Oh, they didn't do so good here when they lose that that five star or whatever. Um, but when when you think back to that game and you're calling that game, and now Texas is on the precipice of going to the SEC, right? And they're going to be rekindling that rivalry, I, I guess, with uh, AM. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Uh, that that call as well, that game, and what you remember of the rivalry? 
Well, I'm excited that it's going to be happening again. I'm one of those who believe that that Texas and Texas A&M should play. Uh, they're 90 miles away, and there's so many uh, there's so many uh, you know interfaith marriages, if you will, and and uh, and and folks that are you know, the families that are split and all that other kind of stuff. Um, the, the the specifics of that game, uh, you know, it was kind of sad. You knew this was going to be it. And Texas did not have its best team uh, that that year, but they had a kind of a gritty, gutty team. I mean, I always think I think of Case McCoy on that final drive, pinballing his way on that run, and the coach is telling him get down, get down. They didn't want to uh, fumble, and um, and and it just came to me in the moment to say, final play of the rivalry, because at that time we were all pretty much under the impression this was it; they were never going to play again, and it was like final play of the rivalry. And at the end, when the call, and I said, in one final heart, in uh, one final time, the Texas Longhorns break the hearts of the Aggies at Texas A&M because the series is what, 76-37-5 or whatever it is, 75-37-5. And so they had broken their hearts so many times. And so from the Texas perspective, one final time they had done that. But it was a great game. It was a great rivalry. Uh, I'm glad it's back and, or will be. And um, – it, it means a lot. I know to a lot of Texans. I understand there were a lot of strong and hurt feelings on both sides when this happened. And and I was asked a few times back in the day after it happened, do you think they'll ever play again? And I said, I do. I didn't know it would be through eventual conference play and membership in the SEC. I said, but I equated it to anybody who was a fan of the television show Friends. It was Ross and Rachel. They were on a break and they needed a break. From one another. Well, they've had their break, and and uh, it's the only major sport where they've not played since 2011. They played in men's basketball. They played in women's basketball this year. They play in baseball every year, a, a one-off on a Tuesday night every year. So they they play in other sports. So it, I'll be happy to see it when it returns in football. Craig, what other what other sports do you enjoy calling for the Longhorns? I know you do baseball. Uh, do basketball, men's and women's, right? When you get a chance, um, have you found a a a that you like one sport more than the other? Or are you just a major sports fan? Well, uh, this is the regular broadcaster cop outline, but there's truth based in it. The broadcaster hot, uh, cop outline, when you say which do you like calling best, is to say, oh, whatever's in season, it, it, but. But there's an element of real truth in there because physiologically, psychologically, um, whatever time of year, that's what you feel like you're supposed to be doing. Like right now, here we are at the end of January, and even though I'm a, a big Los Angeles Rams fan and I'm rooting for the Rams to try to get to the Super Bowl and win it and all that kind of stuff, NFL, college football's been on the shelf for a few weeks. And it's for Texas, it's been more than a few weeks. So it, it has not been in my mind to think of calling football. My mind right now is dialed in to men's and women's basketball. There was a big road win for Texas for the men in Fort Worth on Tuesday night. Last night, I called uh, the, the Texas women beating Kansas State. I think I'm doing 25 of their 30 games. This is my 25th year of calling the play-by-play -play for the women's basketball. And it means, it means a great deal to me, just as it does calling the men's play-by-play. -play. And then when we get on into February, yeah, I'm going to be thinking baseball. I'm going to be dialed in baseball. When I get to May and it's down the stretch of the Big 12 regular season, basketball won't even be on my mind. 
football will kind of be down the road knowing that the coaching convention is coming or the coaching school and things like that and Big 12 Media Days. But it's what's going on in that time of year that comes to your mind. When I'm in a basketball arena in March during the NCAA tournament, what I'm thinking about is that tournament, that gleaming floor and that six versus 11 matchup or whatever, that kind of thing. And there's no event. I'm, I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you, Bobby, there's no, no event quite like the College World Series. It's different. It's a fortnight that unfolds, uh, you know, a, a two-week uh, uh, melodrama, so to speak. And so it's different. They all have to, and, and then, of course, you know, calling uh, a BCS bowl game or a college, uh, you know, a national championship game in football, it's its own standalone gigantic event. So they all have their different unique elements. And that's why each one individually means so much to me at the time of the year that I'm called upon to do them. What are the top, I mean, I know, I know Texas fans are going to have their own favorites, but what have been say the top four or five favorites for you as an, as a broadcaster uh, covering the university of Texas? Well, I think we've, we've run down two of them, obviously with the national championship uh, win over USC. I think that's, that's definitely one. Uh, the, the win over Texas A&M is also a top fiver. I don't know how I would specifically rank certain ones. Uh, the two national championships in baseball in 02, uh, the first for Augie Garrido at Texas uh, was a special group. And then the 05 thing, uh, what everything they had to go through to win that national title. Rick Barnes with his final four run in 2003. The men and women making the final four on the same weekend. And, and so the vivid memories, I go down to New Orleans and call the men's final four game where they lost to Carmelo Anthony in Syracuse, and we're done. I get back to the hotel. It's about 11 o'clock Saturday at 11.30. So we go down, we get in the car, we drive overnight to Atlanta and, and call the women's game against UConn in the final four the next day. That unique moment of two final four games to call in a 24-hour time span will always resonate with me. Uh, and and just moments, certain moments in time. And, uh, you know, Ricky Williams, I was the analyst. Bill Shoning called him the play-by-play in 98. Uh, when Ricky Williams had that big, the big run to set the all-time rushing record at the time, and he knew he was going to win the Heisman. That's a, a key moment. I, I think of Kevin Durant having just a monster game against Texas A&M in double overtime at a sold-out Irwin Center, and he hit a gigantic three that clinched the win and pretty much clinched that he was going to win National Player of the Year instead of A.C. Law at A&M. And I said, there's your National Player of the Year, folks, right there, because of a moment like that. Those those moments resonate with me uh, almost as much as the games themselves. All right. Now I'm going to really test you. Okay. So you've given the Texas version. What about high school football? What's your favorite high school football moment? Well, <clears throat> there's been two or three just in the last four or five years, uh, I think. I think a lot of folks are going to point to the Galena Park North Shore Duncanville Hail Mary game. And it was a great game. And uh, it had it had its tremendous moments, and and that and and when when the pass was released by Demetrius Davis down to the end zone to uh, to T.J. Carter in the end zone, the thing that we're first thing we looked did he cross the line of scrimmage, and he didn't. Uh, but it was just amazing. I held up long enough to make sure that he caught it. My oldest son has been my spotter, Andy, who's now in his early thirties, but he was he began spotting high school games when he was thirteen. He had it. He nailed it. He, he did. So I trust him implicitly. And when he he pointed it, he pointed his stick down and said, it's caught. It's a touchdown. You know, so I, that that comes to mind. But I will tell you, the year before that, 
there was an absolutely epic state championship game between Highland Park and Manville. And, and I think of that 2017-50-49 game. It was just uh, just tremendous. And Highland Park down 15 points with three minutes ago and coming back. And then they have to tackle Jalen Preston there at the goal line or right down at the one-yard line to preserve the victory. So those, I, I think, come to mind. And then there's one more that comes to mind, Bobby. And maybe it doesn't come to mind to, to fans that much. But, but uh, it's one of those unique moments uh, for a couple of reasons. This happened in 2011, so it was 10 football seasons ago. And um, and it was Decaney, led by Trey Williams, winning the state title, and they beat Civil O Steel that night. And the game itself wasn't that memorable. They uh, Trey Williams and Decaney had a great performance, and they won the game. What was memorable, everybody remembers, the runaway golf cart. <laughs> and, and, and when the game ended, we, we were going through some of our post-game wrap-up, and the director is telling me something in my ear during the break. And he goes, hey, uh, we've, he says, we've got, he says, we got some footage. I don't know if we are going to show it. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, apparently like this golf cart ran into a bunch of people down on the field. And he said, do you think we ought to do it? And I said, yeah, I, I didn't think that much about it. I said, yeah, yeah, we'll just say it. And so we come out of the break and I see all the milling about. And I said, there's been a disturbance down on the field. <laughs> and 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 so then I'm seeing the footage for the first time, and what you saw was someone loading. Um, uh, they were throwing end zone pylons into a golf cart. A maintenance person for AT&T State. One of the pylons just happened to stick to the gas pedal, so it takes off, and it's almost like somebody was doing it like it was a a drone or a remote control car. It makes a 90 degree turn, then turns again, and they. And people were kind of chasing this stop, and they couldn't believe it. And it just plows into this group, and they're like bowling pins going out. Everybody in the booth around me hit the ground, dying laughing, laughing. And I and I had to kind of keep my composure. I'm like, well, let's hope everybody's all right. I didn't know that Mike Amendola, the head coach at the Katie, was one of the ones injured at the time. But it was just bizarre. The other thing that was bizarre about it was it was the night before my daughter got married. And so I had told her when she was getting married and they were making their plans, don't schedule state championship weekend. Well, they said, well, we did, but we set it on Sunday. I said, well, I'm going to miss the rehearsal. She goes, dad, don't worry about the rehearsal. Walk down the aisle, hang a right. You're fine. You know? <laughs> and so I got back the next morning, the tux fit, she got married. And so all that happened. So that's, that's another reason why games and moments like that stand out in my mind. Sad, sad moment happened last week in the broadcast world. Uh, and a guy that used to hold your job uh, back, I think, in the 80s, early 80s, uh, Ron Franklin uh, passed away. Uh, I grew up with Ron listening to him in, uh, in Houston uh, at uh, KPRC, which is the Channel 2 NBC affiliate. Randy McElvoy is the, the guy that does that now. And I, I, I know Randy, you and I both know Randy well as well. Uh, but uh, talking about uh, that Ron Franklin, his impact on you, Bill Schoening uh, was your immediate predecessor and, and a colleague of yours for a number of years as well. Um, you know, what, what is it about you guys that make you, I think, so important in Texas sports? I feel like there's always the voice of the Longhorns. It has, it resonates, the, the idea of it it goes way back, I think, to the radio days, right? Where it's exclusively radio. Uh, but um, all of these, uh, you know, I, I think of uh, guys, Eli Gold at Alabama is another one that I've 
uh, followed through the years. You guys have a sense for what it means to be part of that community, I think, and that's part of uh, part of uh, what you end up being in life. You know, I think that's that's an awesome feeling for you guys. Uh, and again, uh, with Ron Franklin, I'm, I'm sorry that he passed, but what a great career he had as well. No doubt about it. And uh, he was uh, he was a great guy to visit with. He would call me even after his retirement. He would call me and we would talk. He'd ask me some questions about the Longhorns. And it could be in any sport. He said he enjoyed listening to me call baseball, Longhorn baseball a lot. Um, he was a great guy to work with and work around with. He was voice of the Longhorns from 1983 through 88, and then ESPN just gobbled him up, and he was there for 24 years. Uh, Brad Cham did it a couple of years, the voice of the Cowboys, and then Bill Schoening uh, came in after one year of, from Jerry Truppiano, and then Bill Schoening went, uh, had been the analyst. He moved to the play-by-play -play role in 92, and that's when I was asked to be the analyst. We did 10 football seasons and nine basketball seasons together before Bill left, in 2001 after football to take over the San Antonio Spurs. And that's when I moved into the play-by-play -play role. But but I will tell you this, even though that this is my 21st going into the 22nd year of calling basketball and baseball, and I just finished uh, the the uh, 20 years of football, um, it's, it's the longest tenure for someone at the University of Texas, but that was due in large measure to the way the old Southwest Conference Network was set up. And you didn't have one guy who did it for years and years and years until Ron Franklin did. It's a responsibility and a designation I do not take lightly. I've often looked at the, the job of the play-by-play -play voice of the Texas Longhorns uh, kind of almost like, in some ways, a political office. It's you're, you're a placeholder it's, it, or, or a coach. You've been, you've been entrusted with doing your job to describe the action as best you can on the field or on the court and transmit the message in a way that folks can visualize and and that's that's the job now am i excited when texas wins absolutely and folks can tell who i would like to win the game uh by the same token i think it was brad cham who said you can be the hometown announcer without being the homer there is a difference and i didn't play the game so it would be unfair of me to just say we've got to do this or we've got to do that because i'm not suiting up um uh, you know i one of the, the advices i'd uh, that I've given myself is the WWVSD. What would Vin Scully do? A <laughs> six, seven year play by play voice of the Dodgers. And, and I try to emulate what, what uh, he has done because he is the, the epitome of broadcast excellence and professionalism. And there's, then I've had, like I said, Brad Sham was, was my boss for seven years in Dallas. And I picked up some things from him. Bill Mercer was my broadcast uh, uh, icon and my teacher at North Texas. And uh, he did the ice ball. He was the Cowboys radio broadcaster in the late sixties, early seventies. He was the Texas Rangers first play-by-play -play voice. And then uh, he, uh, a lot of people know him best for his, his uh, relationship with the Von Ericks. He was the voice of world-class championship wrestling for many, many years. So I had plenty of great influences to help me get a better feel of how I should broadcast the game and how I, should carry myself as a broadcaster. Well, I, I think you've done a wonderful job, and I think uh, Texas fans are the better for it. Uh, Texas sports are the better for it, uh, and we, I, I appreciate all that you've done through the years. I also appreciate your friendship as well. Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on on Texas football, Craig. Take care of yourself, buddy. Bobby. 
hey, listen, I look forward to the next time we can race through an airport together to make a flight at the last minute. And that's an entirely different story. But <laughs> that is a different story. We've been there, though. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, Bobby. Great to be all with you. Take care of yourself, Craig.